Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. This is Mitch Friedman, your host, joined by Jeff Olson, as always. And we are, as usually is the case, broadcasting from beautiful and gratefully wet Lago Vista, Texas, where we've had rain uh, in abundance um, pretty recently after a summer of mostly drought conditions. So we're grateful for the rain. And we are resuming our what I would say, contemporary broadcast after a season of refreshing the vision bucket on how to build a biblical worldview. I hope you've uh, plugged in. Uh, The development of a biblical worldview is not something that you sit in a classroom and receive content, absorb, and then are, are able to vet the ideas that promise flourishing through a biblical lens immediately. This is a lifetime pursuit. So I hope that you're committing yourself if you're a follower of Jesus to that lifetime construction of a biblical worldview. And so we're resuming today uh, the vetting of ideas that promise flourishing or maybe rooted in uh, something other than intentionality uh, through a biblical lens for the purpose of uh, seeing whether or not they can deliver. And we're going to talk to parents today in this uh, podcast. And I've titled this podcast, this episode is titled, The Purpose of a Sponge. So I'm going to pause. What is the purpose of a sponge? You could say to clean up, but that's a little bit downstream of its purpose. Its purpose is to absorb. So a sponge, uh, if you don't even put any pressure on it and you place it in a container with liquid, it will absorb on its own. And so this is, this is the picture of your child, uh, parents. Your child is a sponge, always in the environment that it's placed it is absorbed. And so I thought this would be an appropriate podcast as we are sending our kids back to school right here in this near-term season. Uh, Some of us are homeschooling. Uh, But the reality is whether or not the school year is in or out, for the parent, school is never out because their children, your children, are sponges. So whatever their environment that they're in, at whatever time they're in the environment, they are absorbing things around them. They are interpreting uh, messages uh, that are expressed. They're, they're interpreting messages that aren't expressed but are evident in behaviors or attitudes or body language or tone of voice. Uh, your children are by design sponges who are learning how to do life mostly from you parents. And when it comes to uh, training your children as sponges in the ways of Christian living and thinking, or religious ideas and religious propositions, uh, your, your child is your primary uh, purpose of instruction, parents. That's, that's true in the biblical text. We see it in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, we, we see it in Ephesians and Colossians. Uh, we see it in Proverbs 22. We see it throughout the text that kids as sponges will absorb their parents' instruction and their parents' Uh, honesty in their own religious life. 
and they will absorb, unfortunately, also what they see as hypocrisy from their parents, uh, saying one thing and living out another. And uh, sometimes we get the idea as parents that uh, somebody else is responsible for training our kids religiously, uh, especially if we're, if we're members of a great church that has a great children's ministry or a great youth group. Those things are all really good. But uh, your child as a sponge is mostly in absorbing mode with you because they spend most of their time with you. And I was looking at an article uh, from Christian Smith, who's a, a sociologist, a doctor uh, in sociology from Notre Dame, uh, who's one of the leading, I guess, recognized uh, experts, a subject matter expert in uh, what it means to transmit or transfer uh, religious education and training. And I was reading an article in First Things Magazine. Let me just pause and say, if you don't subscribe to First Things Magazine, you should. If you're interested in these kinds of conversations, then First Things Magazine is a must-consume for you. So that's my promo for First Things. So in the May 2021 edition of First Things Magazine, uh, Christian Smith was doing a write-up on American youth and their religious commitments. And he writes... American youth who have grown up to be religiously committed almost always had parents who were very religiously committed. Successfully passing on faith is by no means guaranteed, and outcomes vary widely. Children choose their own lives. But setting aside exceptional cases, what is nearly guaranteed is that American parents who are not especially committed, attentive, and intentional in passing on their faith will produce children who are less religious than they are, if they are religious at all. That knowledge may trouble some parents, he goes on to write, but it can also empower them. He continues, the good news is that among all possible influences, parents exert far and away the greatest influence on their children's religious outcomes. I'm going to read this again. And this is this, this uh, proposition from Christian Smith is not something that's based in anecdotal evidence or something that he feels is right. Uh, if you look behind the curtain at uh, his research that, res- that produces these kinds of propositions, you'll see a very deep and wide Uh, consumption of all data points that form his proposition. So I'm going to read this again. The good news, parents, is that among all possible influences, that includes uh, youth groups, children's ministries, summer camps, as he'll go on to say, among all possible influences, parents exert far and away the greatest influence on their children's religious outcomes. Stated differently, The bad news is that nearly all human responsibility for the religious trajectories of children's lives fall on their parents' shoulders. And how many of your shoulders just slumped from the weight as I read that? Uh, But I believe that that's true, uh, and I don't really need any sociological uh, broad base of evidence to prove it. I just look at my own parenting. I'm going to read that again. Uh, I'm going to... Excise the bad news statement, although I just read it again. Nearly all human responsibility for the religious trajectories of children's lives falls on their parents' shoulders. The empirical evidence is clear. In almost every case, no other institution or program comes close to shaping youth religiously as their parents do. Not religious congregations, youth groups, faith-based schools, missions or service trips, summer camps, Sunday school, youth ministers, or anything else. 
Those influences can reinforce the influences of parents, but they almost never surpass or override it. What makes every other influence pale into virtual insignificance is the importance, or not, of the religious beliefs and practices of American parents in their ordinary lives. That's a Deuteronomy 6 statement. As you lay down, as you rise up, as you walk along the way, uh, in summary or synthesis, as you live with your child every day. Every other influence pales into virtual insignificance compared to the religious beliefs and practices of American parents in their ordinary lives. And he closes this section, not only on holy days, but every other day throughout the weeks and the years. And so uh, as I read that, I mean, I could, I could sense the weight of my own parenting, and now my youngest are 28. Uh, and so it's really good to have some miles behind me for, for me and my wife, because uh, growing up, uh, my kids grew up as pastor's kids, PKs. And some of the stereotypes of pastor's kids were, I think, uh, evident in them, but a lot of them weren't because my wife and I didn't take on uh, the stereotypical overdriven, uh, overcommitted roles of pastor and pastor's wife in the congregation we led. Uh, but there were some things that were clear that were put on my kids as expectations from people uh, outside of Sherry and I that were part of our congregations. That they expected our kids to be absolutely perfect. Uh, Mary Poppins' kids, practically perfect in every way. And that's a, a burden that no child or adult can bear. But last night, for example, our youngest, uh, our two boys, our twins, were over at the house for dinner, and it was so cool. We, we had just uh, great conversations of things spiritual and, you know, things that they were coming up with, questions that they were wrestling with. And it's just so satisfying to uh, celebrate God's work and the kind of mostly North parenting that, that Sherry and I tried to, uh, to raise our kids with. Uh, we tried to be honest and we tried to be authentic and we you know, would try to, to ask forgiveness when we messed up, which was often. So I can sit back and, and celebrate uh, the reality that I think my wife and I have been faithful. Uh, you know, su success is not guaranteed, but faithfulness is all we can do and let God, let God handle the success. Uh, what, I, what I'm concerned for is my grandchildren uh, at this point. And so, uh, you know, we're trusting that our kids will realize the weight uh, in their own case, in their own lives as parents as well. So ideas have consequences, parents. And I've just listed three of what I would call the worst parenting ideas ever. Uh, if we recognize that the weight of our kids' spiritual trajectory is on our shoulders. Uh, you know, we say at the Pinocchio Project, ideas have consequences. Uh, good ideas on human flourishing result in human flourishing. Bad ideas on human, human flourishing result in human suffering. And so I'm going to list three of the worst parenting ideas ever when it comes to uh, my kids' spiritual religious training. One is, I'm not going to force my religion on my kids. I'm not going to cram it down their throats. And it's funny how we use that, those strong language, that strong language, like uh, your kid is, is the, the open end of a cannon muzzle and you're somehow ramrodding something uh, down, down their throat. 
this is not the the mandate of the biblical text as to parenting. It again is an everyday. I'm teaching, I'm training, and I'm showing my kids who are absorption. They are absorption machines. They are they're they're taking up everything. They're observing. Uh, the second idea is the bad idea is I'm hands off when it comes to my kids' religious life. That's a uh, uh, well, you know, if we're going to take them to church, we'll let them handle it. Uh, you know, maybe my maybe my uncle who is who is a Christian when he comes over, he can handle it. But whatever our kids want to do, uh, I'm kind of hands off. And the third bad idea is it's important for me to go to church, but I don't insist that my kids attend. I would offer that the opposite is true, that, you know, it's up to you to find uh, a church ministry that that comes alongside and augments or supplements your training, and it's important that your kids go. Now, when in the in the tumultuous adolescent and uh, mid teenage years, you know those conversations might get a bit more difficult, and you may you know have to decide uh, how much force to exert. Uh, but especially in the early years, when your kids' value sets are being formed, uh, they they need to be. Uh, watching your commitment to be in a church community, in a worship community, and serving, and they need to be alongside you in those times as well. So three of the worst parenting ideas ever when it comes to training your kids in their spiritual religious trajectory. I'm not going to shove it down their throats. Uh, I'm hands off. If somebody else comes along, that's fine. And it's important for me to go to church, but I don't insist that my kids attend. I don't know if you realize this, parents, but your kids are always being discipled by some ideas or some people who have ideas on what's best for them. So you you may not be intentionally training your kids, but they're watching you and absorbing. And there are always other forces and factors out there, especially in a culture that's more and more secularized, that, that are now absorption ideas for your kids. So just going to finish up here. Active parenting recognizes that my kids will hear from me and see in me the things that are most important to me as to religious and spiritual life. But even if you're not active and you're passive and inconsistent, you have to understand that your kids are watching you and interpreting the messages from what they see at all times. And that your inability or unwillingness to discuss vital issues as to spiritual life and religion and how they interact with the world will shape their worldview and how they view the world. They're getting that mostly from you. And so just to close, uh, I want to I refer you to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and uh, uh, Colossians chapter 4 and uh, also... Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, when it comes to some good parenting, uh, you know, I think it's Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way he, she should go. And when he, she are older, they will not depart from it. Uh, that's a proverb and not, not a specific uh, hard sell uh, promise. But it actually is true most of the time, as I've watched in the life of the people that I've shepherded uh, as a pastor. And it's true in my wife and and my own parenting as well. Uh, So, you know what? I'm going to do a little Berean thing right here because I didn't write this down. It may seem weird to you, but I recommend it. Those references I gave you, I'm going to be more specific. So just stand by. How much time we got, Jeff? We're at 16? All right, we're good. So I'm going to give you the exact references for you. 
They were just on my brain and sometimes my brain. You know what they say about your memory and a writing implement? The sharpest memory is still not as good as the most uh, <laughs> faded pencil. <laughs> so uh, the Shema, it's called the, in, in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 6, it's called a Shema, if you want to be Shema more technically accurate in your pronunciation in Hebrew. It's the hero Israel. Shema means listen. Uh, so from verse 4 to verse 9 is the instruction for parents after the vision that, hey, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and parents are to love the Lord their God with all their hearts, their soul, and strength, and then to pass that reality on to their kids starting in verse 6. So that's Deuteronomy 6 starting in verse 4. And now let's move to Proverbs 22. Just to confirm, it's Proverbs 22, 6. Yeah, the NIV says, start off children the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not return from it. And so let's move now to Colossians. Yeah, it's actually Colossians 3. Uh, and it's really just, uh, you know, one little verse here in verse 19 as Paul is, is giving instructions for how the oikos or the household of Christians should look. Verse 20, it starts with children. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. And then verse 21, fathers, do not embitter your children. They will become discouraged. <laughs> and I'm like, what about moms? Do they ever embitter their children? Well, uh, I have to look back at my own parenting. I was the cause of more embittering by exponential numbers than my wife to my kids. Is that true for you too, also? Jeff, you think, or not? No, Jeff says no. He said, don't. Oh, he says yes. Uh, I don't recollect, Senator. <laughs> and then let's finally confirm. All I'm doing is like a, the practice of what I call being a good Berean to see what's stated about the text is actually in the text. So Ephesians 6, uh, Paul continues from, from chapter 5 when he's talking about uh, husbands and wives uh, submitting themselves to the Lord. Then he goes on to discuss households. Children, 6.1, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Then he refreshes the commandment to honor your father and mother. And then here we go. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. What's up, Paul? Come on. Keep shining the light on me. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So, uh, again, that's a heavy burden for us. It should be a kind of a primary picture that beyond all of our pursuits of the American dream and wealth and affluence and recognition, uh, uh, those should be secondary, tertiary, or even not really that important when it compares to our responsibility to train up the next generation of warrior image bearers. Right, Jeff? 100%. For the Pinocchio Project, Mitch and Jeff signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on the Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow. Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at PinocchioPod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening, and remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.